Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by BlackRock Health, providing patients with world-class clinical care and comfort, enabling swifter recoveries. First this morning, I'm joined by three generations of one incredible family who together have made a huge contribution in the battle against cancer in this country. Gordon Watson was a breast cancer surgeon in University Hospital Waterford. His son, Bill, is currently Professor of Cancer Biology at the UCD School of Medicine, while Bill's daughter, Louise, was recently awarded the Orla Burns Scholarship by Breast Cancer Ireland to research metastatic breast cancer. Morning to you all. Morning. So basically you're all very low achievers. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon, I'm going to stop with you. I actually read a beautiful article with you all three, with Sheila Wayman in the Irish Times during the week. And where did you start off, Gordon? Where were you born, first of all? Well, I was born in Waterford. The house is still there. Uh, they haven't put a plaque on it just yet <laughs> for me. But um, I was born at home. It was during the last war. So my mother was attended by a general practitioner. Fortunately, all went very well. But that was the order of the day. And were your parents, was there medicine going back in your family? What did your mum and dad do? Okay, my father was a dental surgeon and he practised all his life in Waterford. And he was born actually in Cork. My grandfather was a teacher of science and maths. And he came from Tyrone, but um, came to Cork, where he married my grandmother. And they lived and worked in Cork before they came to Waterford. So that's uh, quite a generational involvement in Waterford over a very long period of time. Absolutely. So Louise, as Gordon's granddaughter, were you always tempted by this area of going into research and science and medicine? I think for me, definitely science has always been the forefront of my mind. We always knew Papi was a surgeon and growing up always knew Dad was a scientist and we he'd bring us in to work sometimes, I remember. Or he'd do experiments with us at home. <laughs> he'd bring the stuff home. So I've always been at the forefront of my mind and then when I was doing my leaving cert, I did kind of sciencey subjects. I did biology, chemistry, ag science and geography. And then I decided I wanted to study science, so I went to UCD and did the general science course and then specialised in genetics towards the end. And then when I was doing my fourth year project, I was in the area of breast cancer as well, so I really enjoyed that and decided I wanted to pursue research. And then I started my PhD, the Orla Byrne PhD scholarship by Breast Cancer Ireland. And I started have started that in the Royal College of Surgeons in RCSI in September. And congrats on that, because that's a big honour to get that scholarship. And I'll come back to find out more of what you're doing in that. From your point of view, Bill, you're Professor of Cancer Biology at the UCD School of Medicine. What is that? What do you do? It sounds a massive brief. So my main purpose is to do research, and um, uh, that's really exciting and very lucky. Uh, I think I have probably the best job in the world because I get to do my research, but I also get to teach medical students and biomedical students. And you learn from from them. You're exposed to to young, innovative people all the time, uh, either my research team um, or my students, and they always teach you something uh, and learn from them and hopefully give something back to them and inspire them to, to, to become future uh, scientists and, and clinicians um, like like Louise. And just before I do go back to your dad, because it's interesting what the way it was, I suppose, 
quite a number of years ago. But I suppose, Bill, there's no one listening this morning whose family has not been affected and impacted by cancer of some form or other. And yet it seems so hard and this sounds very simplistic, to get a cure for it mm. or, to, or mm. to get a handle on it. Are we making advancements or not? No, we, we, we are definitely making advances. And obviously I appreciate that someone who may have been recently diagnosed with cancer, it's a big you know, problem and, and something that they're going to affect them for the rest of their lives. But we've made significant advances. So, for example, 50% of, of people now survive cancer compared to 10 years ago. So that's a huge advance mm. uh, in, in making. And in for uh, breast cancer and prostate cancer, um, 80% of people will, will survive after five years. So there are great advances being made, but we need to do more and, and, um, and, and do better. Uh, the, the big issue is, is when the disease has progressed. And you know, mm. that's one of the focuses of, of Louise's research is, is trying to uh, focus in on metastatic disease. And we have a long way to go to help uh, patients and improve their quality of life. And Gordon, when you started off, obviously there were fewer advances. And you were a surgeon, a breast cancer surgeon. Was it, was it much more difficult then in a way? Well, I suppose I started... I qualified in 1967 and really at that stage there was little or no research done. People depended on their own abilities to bring patients through through the system. You know, looking back it was very weak and very unorganised. But it has it advanced phenomenally. And when you think in 67 was the time of the first heart transplant, so there were great advances being made at that stage, not so much in cancer. Mm. That the cancer advances came later. And <clears throat> with that, uh, while I was a general surgeon, uh, one had to subspecialize, so to speak. And I would have, if you like, specialized to a degree in cancer surgery as it affected the general surgeon. And then with, as time went on, I became somewhat subspecialized into breast cancer work as the predominant part of my job. Uh, and when you look at what happens today with breast cancer, I know you're retired but still incredibly active. Is it a world apart really from what you were doing when you were working as a surgeon and today's surgeons in breast cancer? Oh yes, very, very definitely. Unfortunately, the treatment for breast cancer in my day, would have been a radical mastectomy and or radical radiotherapy. Both treatments were hugely mutilating for the mm. particular individual woman or occasional man. And uh, that has totally changed now. It's minimal breast surgery. There's uh, very little... A surgery now on the lymph glands, usually under the arm, which would be the f primary first source usually of uh, secondary disease. And, uh, and all of that has evolved during my working time and has been very, very interesting. Now we're looking also, and I suppose it, this was an evolving issue too, there was no chemotherapy, mm -hmm. uh, no hormonal treatment and no other biological uh, treatments that are now available. But one of the great big advances in this country in terms of surgery and cancer treatment was 
the cancer plan set forward by Mary Harney and uh, Professor Tom Keane back in the 90s. And, and that brought cancer services together. It integrated all of the surgeons and physicians that were interested in the disease. And we started to have multidisciplinary conferences, diagnostic elements were discussed, treatments elements were discussed, and all of this has made a huge difference, as Bill has said, bringing up the outlooks now for patients to, you, you could almost say, a disease which we can live with rather than die from. Mm -hmm. Not quite, but almost. Which is great. And Louise, Fantastic. you, as Gordon's granddaughter and to your left, uh, daughter of Bill, you're working on metastatic um, breast cancer. Explain to my listeners what that is. Yeah, so metastatic breast cancer is cancer which is at stage four and has spread to other parts of the body. And I suppose when we were talking yesterday, we were saying one of the big differences between Pappy, when Pappy was practicing and me is that it was primary treatment or primary tumours being treated mm. back in the day. And now it's much more focused on the primary, but also on the metastatic disease. So there's definitely a huge focus at the moment on metastatic treatment and to increase the signs and symptoms and make people more aware. Breast Cancer Ireland are launching their Metastatic Matters campaign as part of World Cancer Day to try and make people more aware of the signs and symptoms. But it's a very kind of scary concept when you're first diagnosed with metastatic disease, but we are con it's the one of the main focuses of research at the moment is on this area of adv very advanced disease. And I know Breast Cancer Ireland, they're funding your work in memory of Orla Byrne, who herself died from metastatic cancer. Does that really, in a sense, drive home for you the real people impacted by your work? Yeah, I think definitely it brings kind of a face to the whole work that we're doing. And it's really important to remember the people who have been impacted by the disease and also who have fought so hard for uh, research and patient advocates and all of that sort of thing. So I unfortunately never got the chance to meet Orla, but everything I've heard mm. about her is that she was really inspirational and constantly driving for more education and research and things. And I'm really honoured to be associated and be working in something that was named after her. Mm. And although you're a scientist like your dad, you do meet patients, is that right? So I'm working in, uh, based in Stevens Green in the CSI there. Yeah, I have the opportunity to meet patients at times, yeah. And patients are a huge uh, focus point of all the research that we do now. And it's really about making sure that the research is being informed by the patients rather than just by what scientists think. Because at the end of the day, you know, patient quality of life is a huge thing that has to be taken into account as well. And I see your dad, Bill, mm. nodding at that. It's yeah. hugely important. Absolutely. And it's the, one of the great things now about working as a scientist is that you don't work alone as a scientist, I suppose. When I was training as a scientist and being inspired by my dad, 
I kind of always wanted to work with clinicians, thinking that they were the gateway and the doorway to, to seeing patients. But now, through incredible work by uh, colleagues of mine, Amanda McCann and, and Liam Gallagher, they've set up the, the patient voice. So patients now have a voice at the table in relation to what type of research we should be doing mm. uh, and contributing their experiences and, and what is important to them um, in, in, in the type of clinical and, and basic science problems we should be solving. So that's extremely exciting. Uh, and again, as a scientist, you know, to be able to engage and, you know, science has moved on to these multidisciplinary types of teams, you know, including patients, clinicians, nurses, you know, epidemiologists, computer, you know, statisticians. Yeah. It, it's a great team effort. And to the patient, is it true you call it bench to bedside? Is that a term? So this is translational is research. Yeah. yeah. So so I would characterize myself as a translational biologist or researcher. So we work at the interface of science and of medicine. So there's been huge advances in, in, in science and technology. But how do we bring those inventions and discoveries to benefit patients into clinical utility? Why is cancer, I ask this as a layperson, so elusive? I mean, put simply, yeah. what is cancer? Yeah. So cancer is due to genetic changes in the cell that have been driven through environmental changes or mutations. And the cancer signaling, you know, has been mucked up. But what there's a number of hallmarks and that's the tumor just keeps growing, growing, growing or has the ability to metastasize uh, to other sites, as, as Louise has said. So it's very, very complex and, and challenging because, mm -hmm. you know, if it's localized to the primary site, then surgery or radiation, as my dad like has spent dad his career again. treating, you know, is very successful. But once it's metastasized out of those organs to other parts of the body, there's multiple genetic changes and where... We, treatments and, and biological treatments have focused specific individual pathways. We're now moving on to much more complex um, changes within the, the, the cancer cell. And that's really where Louise's generation of scientists mm -hmm. will help to, to solve those complex problems because they have such a great insight into technology. <laughs> they know how to collaborate with people um, and, and they're going to help to solve those um, problems um, and come up with multiple treatments, you know, from surgical radiation treatment to individual targeted biological agents to complex multi treatments uh, is where we want to go and, and Ireland is leading in this um, precision oncology Ireland is is a collaboration um, of investigators um, across multiple sites in, in universities in Ireland and hospitals that are addressing this complex problem and it's great that Louise and her research supervisor Professor Leonie Young um, are part of that and she'll mm. get exposed to those interactions. And of course all over the world Gordon you're the elder statesman here the grandfather <laughs> in the room all over the world there are people like Bill your son like your granddaughter Louise working on this kind of research and even somewhere like the Mayo Clinic as you were saying to me before we came into studio that you actually worked there as a young surgeon didn't you as a young doctor. That's correct. Yeah uh, no there are hundreds and thousands of people working on it and someday it will be solved because, as we know... Do you think so? I do. The atom was was <laughs> split because yeah. people put money into it. 
they invested time and all the rest of it and it will happen with cancer as well now it won't happen immediately and it won't be that simple and there won't be one simple answer but it will happen with our young people mm. we have the brains and the ability behind it all to do it oh it's the holy grail isn't it, it say everyone it listening is cheering in yeah. their kitchen saying please god certainly not in my lifetime probably not in yours but it will come could it be a little like COVID, though? Science always chasing it. It's clever. It adapts. <laughs> it evolves. That scientists will always be chasing it, Louise. I th- I think we're always looking at trying to figure out how it works. And, you know, my work is very much preclinical. So looking at how the cancer actually, meta- like, because my focus is metastases, how that change occurs and what exactly is happening within the cells and I think the more we know the more we'll be able to kind of as you say get ahead of it mm. and I think like Pappy says we'll get there one day mm-hmm. and I think we will but it'll definitely be you know patient by patient and there's not going to be one blanket as Pappy said definitely one, there's no one single yeah, answer to it it's going to be patient and that's what we're seeing constantly is that medicine is becoming more patient focused and but treatment is becoming more patient specific as well. And we're trying to understand what disease does each individual patient have and how everyone's is different. And that will all require different treatment strategies and things like that. So there's lots to be learned from every patient to try and get a better understanding of the disease to try and improve outcomes. But as you said, mm. you know, COVID has taught us an awful lot how mm. to adapt so quickly. And I think that's really the, the, the key to this is as the tumour evolves, because tumours are like e- evolution, they evolve, they change within the environment, within the treatments that they're being exposed to. So a treatment might kill 99% of the tumour, but leave a very small percentage behind and then they'll grow. So now we have to adapt and readjust our treatments and I think that's the challenge moving forward is that we can keep on top of it if we can do that quickly so we did that with COVID and and, and vaccines and And is there a huge or greater emphasis today on the genetic there is Bill yeah yeah yeah, because that's the pathways that drive the tumour yeah like Dad was saying earlier mutations and things like that are the cause of cancer so it's trying to understand you know what is happening at a genetic level and what might be predisposing people to developing cancer and that's the focus now is on the genetics and on the genes of it all. When you talk about genetics and this as I'm not a scientist obviously very clearly but (laughs) does that mean we're born sometimes with a genetic predisposition? Yeah Yeah. Yeah. so so there are mutations BRCA1 mutation Mm. you know uh, for breast cancer but we can do things. It's like the seed in the soil. Mm. You know, you can have a seed genetic mutation, but you have to be in the right environment for it to, you know, metastasize and, and develop. So if we think about our diet and exercise, we mm. can probably overcome some of these genetic mutations. But understanding that, but it's very difficult to persuade people to um, eat a healthy diet and mm. exercise. So you know, I think that's part of the solution. Do you feel lucky, Gordon, that you've lived your life in medicine? And I know you stay very active, don't you, in the field? Well, I can can only stay active to a, to a point, and that is perhaps reading about it and learning about it and 
listening to my enlightened <laughs> granddaughter and young son. folk who'll, yeah. who'll, who'll keep me on the straight and narrow. So Louise and Belle, before I let you go, when you sit around dinner tables, <laughs> like, do you all discuss the latest scientific advances? Absolutely not. Yeah. I think we'd drive the rest of the family mad That's if we started funny. doing that. We're, we're, we're avid rugby uh, fans yeah. and Louise is a, a, a Leinster supporter and my dad and myself are Munster supporters. Ooh. So we have a bit of... Uh, tick-tacking about that. But yeah. I, we, we, of course, you know, share ideas. Mm. Louise goes to meetings and learns in the breast area. I work in the area of prostate cancer. We share ideas. Um, and, 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 and I have a daughter who's a doctor who's married to a doctor. My <laughs> wife yeah. was a nurse. Hazel's, uh, Bill's uh, wife is a nurse. And, and uh, one of my granddaughters is a mental health uh, nurse in training. Wow. And and as I said, one of my other granddaughters is a young doctor in training. So, yes, medicine is important. Medicine it's is in your blood, Gordon. In the blood. Yeah. Hard to get it out. It's the genes. <laughs> now, Apple, well, thanks for all the service from all of you and your family. You wanted to mention the choirs for cancer? Yeah, absolutely. With uh, World Cancer Day coming up on the 4th of February, I'd just like to highlight uh, the fantastic um, event that's going ahead um, run by Professor Liam Gallagher, the uh, choirs for cancer uh, in UCD on the 4th of, of February. Brilliant. Well, look, Louise, best of luck with all your work. You Thank too, you. Bale and Gordon. To the Watsons, thanks so much uh, for being my guest this morning. Keep up the brilliant work for, on our behalf. Us. We'll Thank take you. a break.